Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is uh, continuing to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. Uh, there are a number of sites, um, including Inc.com, uh, Fit Small Business, Proven, People First, uh, that are including this podcast on the list of the best podcasts to listen to. And we're honored by that and also understand that it's because of the guests who join me to have a conversation, share their expertise, you know, they give of their time and their knowledge so that all of you can uh, take what you need so that you can do better things in your business. Today I have just such a guest and that is Will Dean. Will is a successful entrepreneur as a digital marketing and e-commerce expert. He's built and scaled several multi-million dollar businesses specializing in results-based marketing. His company, Unstoppable.co, focuses on providing clients real and measurable results using marketing strategies to generate positive ROI, optimizing it, and increasing a company's overall bottom line. Thanks for joining me today, Will. Well, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you being here. I, I, this is so interesting for me. You know, we're talking about using marketing strategies and, and getting a positive ROI from it. And I think this is the kind of thing that drives most small business owners crazy, at least the ones that I talk to, that they struggle with being able to either get a firm that they hire or, you know, if they're doing it themselves, really um, find a way to really define that ROI, you know, to really be able to say, yeah, these are the results you know, this is what I want to get. And these are the results that I'm getting. hundred percent. Actually, I'm consulting for a few friends right now with the exact same experience. And one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of business owners is that, you know, when they're starting to work with a firm or a consultant or a freelancer, there's never really defined metrics. You know, business owners come into it really hopeful that someone's going to help them scale, but they really don't identify what's needed to scale and what the requirements should be for that company to hit certain goals. So there's really no goals at the beginning of the relationship, which ends up 
making it very, very frustrating for the business owner to know what's going on, why they're not hitting numbers, and also when to fire somebody, right? Like when, when do you let that person or agency go because they're not hitting the right metric? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's what seems so obvious sometimes yeah. isn't, right? Because you have... You know, a lot of the times these business owners, they, the, the agencies that come to them or, or the freelancers have such great accolades. Like they've helped companies that have been in, you know, Business Insider and Inc. and all these great companies. And so they're never questioning or they're never actually setting these standards for performance that um, are necessary. And that's usually the first thing I tell, you know, colleagues or, or anybody that's going to bring on a consultant or an outside source. I say, okay, like, what are your gross profits? What do you actually need to make on every time, you know, every time you acquire a customer, what's, you know, what's the return on the ad spend? You know, there's all these details that business owners aren't looking at that they really should have a direct handle on before they hire somebody for this role. Okay. So that's so interesting because I think a lot of business owners are expecting the marketing firm to walk them through that process you know, for the marketing firm to understand, okay, we need to know what are they hoping to get out of this and how are we going to measure that? And, and this, I mean, but you're saying, no, the business owner really has to know what they're going after. Yeah. I mean, um, so before I built an agency, I actually owned an e-commerce company and I sold the e-commerce company in 2014. So every time I take on a client or work with somebody, I pretend like I'm that business owner. And so that's why I'm able to frame how we approach situations in a whole different mindset because I, I, I'm asking for the PL, I'm asking for the cost of goods, I'm asking kind of what their, their average overhead, overhead costs are. And agencies, while they should ask these questions, and I'm assuming some do, um, they're really focused on getting you as a client and then making it, you know, I'm not saying that everybody's the same, but once they get you as a client, the goal is how do they keep you, not how do they grow you. That, that's, that's a lot of the mindset that goes into it. And that's why, that's why, well, that's what I've seen. I've seen some of the top agencies out there. How do we, how do we keep you? Not how do we grow you? Right. And, and um, I look at it as how do we grow you? How do we beat your competition? And that using that kind of mindset makes it so you're always looking to perform and to become better. You're never playing defense. You're never looking at like, what's the minimal I can do to make sure they're happy. You're really looking at, and, and, to grow somebody, you need to know all those numbers to do it right. Well, yeah. So don't they realize that the best way to keep that client is to help them meet those goals? That's so, weird to me. <laughs> yeah, the answer, is, the answer is yes. But here's what I've seen a lot. So like common sense says yes. If you're going to take somebody on, you meet the goals, you keep them as a client for forever. What I've seen is that a lot of a lot of companies, whether you're a small business or a bigger business, they look for some of the best agencies. And when they find the best agency, that agency has a lot of clients. And when they have a lot of clients, that means, although it looks great from the outside because they've got all these accolades, that means that their bandwidth is very spread thin. So what, what ends up happening is they'll put somebody with, with great knowledge on an account of somebody very important or a company that's very important, but that person might also be handling five other accounts or that person might be a junior person and doesn't ask the right questions. A lot of it is asking the right questions. 
Um, they might have the skill sets, like using the tools like Facebook, AdWords, email marketing, like how to speak to a customer, customer psychology, like these things can be taught, these things can be learned, but a lot of the questions that need to be asked to grow a business aren't being asked at the very beginning, which is why they're not in there. And, and it's funny, I'm actually, I'm actually doing a write-up on this, but it's funny when you have somebody in-house that's part of your marketing department at your company, their only job is to perform for that company. And so you get a lot deeper personalization and uh, analysis on things that they're doing. Um, I, I'm not saying working with an agency is bad. I, I'm, I'm just saying that you always want to make sure that you're asking the right questions as a business owner to know that you're working with the right firms that they can help you grow. Because I know that they can. It's just making sure you're really defining what that means. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. But so what are some of those questions that we should be asking to make sure of that? So one of the big questions um, is what's the return on ad spend? And what the, what I mean by that is I'm, I'm generally talking about just performance marketing, you know, traffic from Facebook or AdWords or Bing or any of these things. Like if we were to spend X amount of dollars, how much would you need to get in return to break even on the ad spend on the cost of good? And then like looking at it overall for your company, right? Like my company makes X, my, my fixed overhead costs are Y. If I spend, you know, X on marketing costs, what do I need to make for my business for it to be profitable or break even? Um, and and those, those questions are super important, super easy, but also super important for a business owner to ask so that they can actually look at their business from that angle. Because a lot of them aren't. They're just, they're, they're, they're allocating a budget to test, which is important. But if you're going to grow, you really need to know like, what can these marketing dollars turn into for me? And what's the, what's the stop loss, right? Like at what point do I say this actually isn't making money? Cause a lot of the times they'll look at it like, Oh wow, we're making money. We're making money, but it actually might not be making money for the business. It might just be making yeah. money on, on the front end. And those are very important numbers for people to, to really understand. Okay. So is there like a rule of thumb about how much a company should be spending on advertising like um, because of the industry they're in or the, or what? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, I've heard there, there definitely is. Um, someone once brought it to my attention that it was supposed to be 20% of the profit was supposed to be allocated to marketing. I would say, um, it's tough. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I would say, I would say you always should be investing or testing in marketing. Um, that, that should be something that's, that's how you sustain the business because new customer channels are opening up all the time, whether you're a local business or a nationwide business, something that worked last year might not work this year. So you should, you should always be testing how to acquire customers. Um, and then also how to keep customers, right? Because the majority of your revenue is going to come from past customers. Uh, and that's right. a, a really big thing I see business owners overlook. They're, they're so sales driven that they're not spending time on nurturing. And um, yeah. time and time again, when I start to work with a business or my team does, I'll say, okay, before we do anything or you guys spend money, let's see, let's see if we can put together a strategy to, you know, give an offer or an offering to our past customers. 
how can we get our past customers re-engaged with us? Because we already have that relationship. We don't need to convince them to buy or to work with us anymore. They've already done that. So how do we get them back? And then if, if we do a really great job at that, it didn't cost us any money to do it. And now we might have created a marketing budget for us to go get new clients. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how do I want to ask this question? So if somebody's <laughs> listening, you know, they're a small business owner, which is <clears throat> most of the people are listening. Mm -hmm. And the question that they're asking is, okay, but so how do I turn these marketing tools into something I can see, right? Like a win progress that, that I can actually put my finger on and say, this came directly from my, the marketing tools that I was using. Sure. That's a, that's a great question. So there's, um, you know, there's a couple different kinds of businesses and a different cut, uh, different kinds of, uh, ways customers interact with the business. For example, e-commerce, you can measure something when somebody goes and buys in the store and you can track that back to the channel that you found them on. But with most people out there, if it's a local business or, or it's, it has to do with the phone or, you know, it, it can get complicated. There, is a, there are a few services out there that I recommend because even though tracking is a pain in the butt, everybody knows, no one wants to look, you know, dig into the numbers. Um, you really want to know where the customer came from so you can yeah. focus on that channel. And, and one of my, my colleagues owns a company called PhoneWagon, which is similar to a company called CallRail. And what they do is they put a tracking phone number. Um, they give the business a tracking phone number or multiple. And then as the business owner, you can use that number and put it on different advertisements. For example, if you have a Yelp, right, you're listed in Yelp and you're a local gym, um, you know, and you might also be running Google AdWords to get new customers. I would put two different phone numbers on there because then I'm going to be able to track, you know, the calls that came from each, um, each medium, each marketing channel. Yeah. And at once a month, at the end of the month, look at it and say, wow, Yelp, gave us 20 phone calls and you know, Google AdWords gave us four, but it looks like we're spending more in Google than Yelp. This doesn't make any sense. And then you can even take it a step further and try to match up the phone number to the customer or, you know, there's, you can, you can go deeper and it sounds tedious and painful, but as a business owner, you know, you do that for five, six, seven months, your whole mindset is going to be reframed and you're going to really start to optimize and, and scale and grow your business. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's great because so, so really what I'm hearing is you have to be able to differentiate where it came from. So whatever advertising you're doing, if you're doing it in different, on different platforms, you have to be able to identify which platform you got that um, conversion from. hundred you know, yeah. 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 hundred percent because otherwise, uh, and this is fun, you know, and I don't mean to be a slight at any business, but I'd say sometimes, Tracking is the reason small businesses don't become big businesses, right? If you're not able to actually ident identify where your customers came from and you're constantly testing a billboard or AdWords or Yelp or Yellow Pages um, and, you, and you get, let's say you're doing really well, you're getting tons of customers every month, but you really don't know where they're coming from, then you don't know how to yeah. grow uh, and you don't know what to stop spending money on. Uh, and that's right. a really 
really important part of, of you know, if you, if you could stop spending money on something and maybe hire somebody internally to handle the calls or to help your growth, it just, it compounds once you really start understanding where the, the, the customers are coming from. Yeah, yeah, it really is key, especially, I especially like that whole concept of it helps you identify where you should not be spending money, right? Because exactly. if you're, right, if you're thinking to yourself, well, we're growing and we're putting money over here, that must have something to do with it. It might not have anything to do with it. 100%. That's actually one of the biggest things, that, you know, and I'll be, I've learned the hard way, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> you know, way back in the day, you know, I thought I knew everything as most young people do. Uh, and when we were, I was spending marketing dollars, I just kind of used my intuition and said, I know this, this works. And was just kind of throwing money around when we were trying to grow our business and learn the hard way when you realize it doesn't work. And then when it does, you're like, oh, well, something must have worked. So I just, let's just keep doing everything. But yeah. the amount of money, you know, even if it's $200 or $1,000 or, or, you know, $10,000, the amount of money you save over the course of a year by not doing things that don't work is a lot of money. And, and it's very yeah. important for business owners to make sure that they, they cut um, when it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to shift a little bit and talk about brand. So how does, uh, and cause this is another thing I think, you know, small businesses struggle with. How does, how does a small business build, um, build and grow a brand? That's an amazing question. And I think brand nowadays is more important than anything else, right? Like there's all these yeah. strategies and, and traffic and, all these little nuances that someone will say they can do, but I think brand is the most important thing overall. And I used to not think like that. I used to think that, um, you know, it was all about customer acquisition and, you know, paid traffic, but I'll tell you right now, brand lives and uh, lives beyond these marketing channels and these strategies. And um, to answer your question more directly, how can a small business or any business really grow a brand? And I would say engaging with community. Um, a lot of people say content marketing, but I think that the first touch point is engaging with your community. And what that means is whether it's a Facebook group or just your local neighborhood or, you know, your local get together or meetup, starting there, building actual tangible personal relationships with people locally, and then starting to grow out, you will build a brand. Um, some companies are at different stages. They don't need to go to the local meetup. Some companies you know, have somewhat of a well-established brand and they, they need to start doing content marketing or putting out different pieces of um, writing or reports or just, you know, engagement with audiences that aren't sales driven, right? I think that's a big thing that the business owners need to take away. Like remove the sales from the brand. Brand and sales, yeah. they, they, they come together, but they shouldn't be together. You should think about them separately, right? Like put sales far, far away and then say, what does brand mean? And what that actually means is, you're creating a relationship that's valuable to somebody that gets them to believe in you and your brand and it creates a following or what, what I like to call a tribe. And if you do that consistently, the, the sales will follow. People will buy. People will tell their friends. People will follow you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these things because you've given back and you've provided value and that value has made people interested in you, which has created all of these opportunities, which as a small business owner or a big company is way more important, way, way more important than just trying to get the sale. 
I am so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I so agree with you. People are so sales focused that they think everything is attached to it. And so they don't do any of the foundational work that really helps them grow over time. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, and, and sometimes it's really hard to see because we are so ingrained with sales and money and bottom line. Yeah. What people don't realize is that it is a sacrifice to not, let's, you know, let's say you could pick one or the other, right? It, it is a sacrifice to, to not focus on sales right away or, or try to remove that from your mindset. But the longevity of and the exponential sales that, that the brand will give you is way better than what sale, sale, sale will do. Um, you know, you build a brand. I mean, look at all these influencers and people on social media that went out and created content with no, you know, no like no thought of like, I'm going to make money, you know, bad, a bad yeah. example would be like people on YouTube. They created these YouTube channels because they just wanted to produce content and make something yeah. funny or make something fun. And the end result of that became tons of money and tons of sponsorship deals and endorsement deals. And, and, you know, they weren't expecting when they did it, they just wanted to create something awesome for their viewers. And the, and the end result was a true brand that's going to outlast all these sales driven companies versus somebody that j just goes out and says, pay me for my service. And so brand is so, so, so important these days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boy, I know it's really, wish more people would hear that. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then um, continue the conversation on the other side. Awesome. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash business growth, you get one free audiobook and a one month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Transform Your Company by Alex Vorobiev and The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients by David A. Field. So visit audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the books that are of interest to you and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today, we're speaking with Will Dean about how to generate positive ROI using marketing strategies. So I have to tell you, like one of the things that I really, really like about this conversation, and I hope the listeners are really hearing, is that the business owner uh, has a lot of um, influence over how well they market and build a brand. And so they, they're very empowered, really, if they take it that way. They, they don't have to be like, it's a bad way of saying it, but the victim of uh, you know, a company telling them we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and they just have to sit back. When they take that control and they say, this is what I need, this is where I'm going, this is what it's going to take to get there, this is what I need, and they're sharing that with either the internal person or the marketing firm, whatever they're using, they've got something that they can measure against in real time. So they know quickly what's working and what isn't a hundred percent. And I actually think like for, for, I, I think that a, a lot of business owners in general and everybody, even myself included a long time ago, like 
we framed things wrong. We looked at things wrong. And I would tell every business owner out there right now to like take a step back and, and, and instead of looking at it the way you're currently looking at it, look at it if you were hiring in-house, right? Mm. Imagine if you were hiring a salesperson in-house or a marketing person in-house. Would you just hire them and say go? No, you would, you would or even just their role. Let's say the business owner is you know, the master chef or whatever, right? Would you just hire somebody underneath you and say figure it out? you know, or I trust you. Like right. you, you right. would, no. you would have to, you would put them in your process for success and yeah. you would, you would have those, you know, metrics available, um, to go over with them. And so that's the way I want people to start framing things. It's like, imagine that you are bringing them in house to help you with your business inside. Not that they're experts already, right? They might be experts at using the tools and, you know, maybe, maybe customer psychology, but they need to know what works for your business because your business is different than a different business. And um, right. that, I just want people to reframe things because reframing things changes your entire perspective on how you're going to work with somebody that you hire and how you're going to build your brand. A lot of people think because they slap a logo on a car or, you know, they're, they're starting to put their name in different, you know, directories like Yelp or yellow pages or, or advertising that they're building a brand. They think about the non sales driven angles of building a brand. How do you do that? Write that down on a piece of paper because those are the things that you should try for the next couple months and see what happens. Do things differently. Yeah. It's just a mindset that I think a lot of people need to, to, to start thinking about. We're so ingrained in what, what got us to point A, but what got us to point A is not the same thing that's going to get us to point B. Um, and, and we need to think about sure. that step it's in step back, you know, step back and go, all right, so we got here. We, we know what works to get us here. What else can I be doing besides sales driven tactics and focus to help me get a different stage? Do I need more people to support me? Do I need to have more outreach in the community? And there's just other things that business owners aren't thinking about because from point A to B, you know, from point, you know, one to A, they, they, they had a process and that process might not be the same thing that works for point. Are there, uh, like new marketing strategies that are either really gaining steam or, you know, you've seen really coming up over the past couple of years that you think people should be paying attention to? Yeah. So that's a great question. I think that, um, you know, without being too vague and just saying brand, which is a big thing, I think personal, I think personalization is, is, is really key. Um, okay. You see a lot of these bigger brands that are starting to put, faces in front of the actual brand name and logo and stuff. And what that's doing is adding a layer of, of personalization. Oh, I get that person. I'm kind of like her or I'm like him. And, um, it's, it's, it's connection. And so yeah. people that are using, you know, like personas or humans as that touch point for their brand is adding a layer of human touch, human connection, personalization, which is adding a layer of trust, right? Because nowadays it's so easy for people to market themselves or get online or start a business, not a successful business, but just a lot, things are a lot easier. There's less friction to create now than there uh -huh. used to be. And making, uh, creating some element of trust is very, very important to the ecosystem. I would say that think about how you can create a trusted relationship with people uh, and then all the other things will fall in line because that's a big part of people 
pulling their credit card out and buying. Like, why am I buying from this person versus somebody else that does the exact same service down the street? Right. Why am I buying this product versus somebody that has the exact same product uh, that might be even cheaper? And a lot of that yeah. is trust and, and figuring out how you can build trust without worrying about all the tools and the strategies, because there's so many and there's going to be more that are coming out. Um, and, and mastering those tools is the wrong way to look at things. You can always find somebody that's going to be an expert or, or good. Uh, and uh, it, it's really about how to build trust. Um, I would say the fastest uh, and, and what, steps or tactics you can do. And then I would say, look at other companies that have done it before that are successful or that you trust. A lot of people never do that. They're like, I always tell, you know, our clients or people I'm working with, they say, what do you want to be like or emulate? Yeah. What do you like about them? And then we break that down. And then I even go as far as this, like it will, even past just marketing, if, if I'm trying to help them build the team, I always say like, all right, let's go to their LinkedIn and let's look at their company. Okay, they've got 150 people. All right, so let's grab that company and you know six others that are just like yours or that you want to be like. Let's see if we can figure out who their first 10 hires were. Let's look at their jobs, like because you know, and this is for a, a different yeah. day. But but I'm really trying to figure out why somebody was successful, what people they put in the right place, um, and, and there's just a lot of things that I think if a business owner took 10, 15 minutes, maybe a couple hours, and put aside, they would catapult themselves to where they could be in the next few months. So one of the things that I really love about what you just said is that it's not about the tactics. Those come second. Those are out there. Everyone knows what they are and it's just figuring out which ones make the most sense. But, but really focusing on being a company that is trustworthy, that is known for uh, you know, integrity of product or service, that, that that is something that has sustainability. That's something that is long-term. So that then when you're marketing, it, it's just enhancing that um, understanding of your business, right? It's just, you know, going ahead and then letting people see you, but, but doing these things that create that energy and that trust and that credibility are the things that are really going to take a company far. For sure. And, and you, let me give you everybody an example out there. And it's not right. an, it's not an example that could be, that's, you know, could be used in a service business or something. It's a very specific example, but I think everybody will understand it and get from it. So one of our clients, um, medium company, they sell product online and they have been featured in a lot of different press outlets. And so let's use, Let's use Ink Magazine, for example. When they got featured in Ink Magazine, and, I, and we were on the traffic acquisition side, so we were, we were spending money to get sales for them. And we were doing a great job, and we had a decent margin. They were making money. But when they got featured, one of the strategies that we used was we actually took that feature, and that was one of the first things that we introduced to prospective customers. We would drive traffic to that article. And the reason we would do that is because that article, everybody knows Inc. Magazine, and that article uh, essentially validates the company, which in turn creates a trusted aura of the brand. And so once we put that in place, we started getting conversions or sales for a much cheaper cost, right? If it, maybe if it cost $20 to get a customer and it was now costing 10. And yeah. the entire reason it, was, it would, got lowered was because we put 
something else that was already validated, Inc. Magazine, in front of people, which lowered their barrier to entry and said, oh, they've been in Inc. Okay, I do trust them. Right now that's, I mean, I hope that example for everybody out there is kind of like tangible or makes sense. That, that is just an example of how being validated and, and getting that trust, you know, stamp. Now it's easier for them to get customers and sales and all these things. Yeah, because you're really leveraging an already trusted medium. Exactly, which is why people start using spokespeople, athletes, influencers. Um, yeah. but, it, but it doesn't mean you have to, right? Some businesses can't afford yeah. it or don't know how to do that. But another way to do this, put your, put your face in front of the brand. Go build a local community. Go to, you know, locally and, and get to know people, right? Because people talk. If you're, if you're a plumbing company and, you know, you've been around for 10 years or whatever it is, and people don't know your face, get them to know your face. You're the owner of the business. Go to local meetups, go to the chamber of commerce, get to know people because you know what? Give it another three years. If that's the only strategy, you'll have, everybody will know your name. Um, and and, and ev since everybody knows your name, they're not going to go look for somebody to call. They're going to yeah. just call you or ask their friend. And that's, and that's a, a, definitely a micro instance of what I was talking about, but it applies across the smallest businesses to the biggest businesses in the world. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, I, I appreciate you sh sharing both of those things. And I really appreciate you sharing, a, you know, a campaign that worked. Have you had like a marketing campaign that wasn't successful that you could, you know, give us an idea of what that was and what lessons you learned from it? Yeah, I, I mean, what I would say is we're very methodical about how we scale something or grow something. One of the things we don't do as a company is just start spending clients money without knowing like if it works. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we work with a jewelry company and uh, they didn't have a big email list. So there wasn't a lot that we could utilize from that. And they had a lot of SKUs, you know, I would say like 1400 SKUs. So trying to figure out which product is their best seller is tough um, because there's millions of different people out there. People like different things. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily call this like a failed campaign because I think a lot of people frame failed and like they lost a lot of money. I would consider a failure not being able to scale. So, uh -huh. so yeah, cause, cause for me, we'll never just start throwing money at something until we know the right direction to go, go in. Right. It's like driving. It's like, it's like getting to like a fork in the road, you know, four different ways to go and just stepping on the gas and going a hundred miles an hour versus like, you know, let's go 15 miles an hour down this way. Okay. Not the right way. Let's go down the other way. And so we don't press go and start throwing money in the pot until we really know that something that's got traction. And so with them, we had tested so many different products, different landing pages, different channels. Um, you know, it took us like eight months of testing on a really, really low budget to finally start getting some traction. But I would consider it, I wouldn't consider it necessarily a huge failure. I would consider it a loss of time. Um, and, you know, it made me, it, it, it actually taught me one of the most important lessons I think every business should hear is that you can't, you know, they're, they're, the 80-20 rule is real. I would even call it 90-10. You know, 90% of your customers are going to buy 10% of your products. And in most cases, what I've seen online is that you're going to have one or two best sellers. Even if you have a million SKUs, you're going to have one or two best sellers. 
And you need to focus on those. Those are what works in the market. Those are what you can grow. People can buy all your other stuff. You know, they might, they will, or, or they will come in, but don't waste your money promoting those products. Yeah. Bring, bring people in with the one or two and then grow because you don't care if you make a million dollars, you know, one way or another, you want to focus on what works. And so it's, it's fine. A lot of companies and a lot of business owners, they don't think like that. And so what they keep doing is keep making, keep making new products, trying to promote them, keep making new products, trying to promote them. And um, I've seen it a million times that, you know, you're only going to have, you know, a couple killers and those killer products or, or services that you offer. Yeah. You can even do services, right? It's, it's the reason why, you know, there's special doctors like brain surgeon and, and then there's general yeah. practitioners, right? And like you find that skill set and go deep or you find that product and go deep versus trying to create a million. And um, that the lesson there is like, you're going to make more money that way. You're going to become better at whatever that, that service or skill set or focus is or product is. And then you're also going to uh, not waste time on the front end. You're going to spend your time getting better as opposed to testing. And, um, it was, an, it was an awesome lesson. Uh, I'm, I'm very relentless. My team is very relentless. So whenever we see something we can't succeed with or do, we like double down and just, you know, late nights, early mornings, trying to figure stuff out because we know it can work. We just need to figure out how, right. To us, it's just a big puzzle. Um, yeah. and, and that I wouldn't call it a failure in the sense that, you know, we lost money, but it was a failure in the sense we lost a lot of time and we, we learned a lot of lessons. So that, that's, that's one of the examples I would give. Yeah. I, thank you for that. I, and I, I think it is really valuable and I'm glad you said it wasn't necessarily a failure. It was learning, you know, it, it ended up taking a lot of time because really that's part of the process is trying something and, paying attention to it and then sort of deconstructing it to figure things out because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know until you try doing something. And the other thing that I just love that you said was find what sells and sell and market that don't try and, you know, either create new things or sell everything, you know, try and market everything that you sell because the message is so vague that no one's going to get it. Yeah. You know how many people there are in this world? Everybody thinks, oh, everybody's bought that already. Or, oh, there are billions of people in this world. You know, that yeah. all you need, all you need is one product. All you need is one service. If you're the best yeah. at it or you're the top in, in your niche, that's all you really need. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think it doesn't work or they just keep trying new things and just focus. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Um. This is, this is sort of um, an oddball question, but what the heck, I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. What are the five surprising habits of highly successful entrepreneurs that you have seen? Uh, five surprising successful habits of entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you them. I mean, these are surprising, right? So like uh, meditation, um, People take that a lot of different ways. I, I find that almost every mentor I've had or every successful person I've encountered has taken time out of their day to collect their thoughts and practice silence. Um, I think that's odd. And I, I always thought it was odd until I started doing it. And um, it's, 
it works. I mean, it works. I mean, even if, you know, a lot of people are uh, super emotionally driven. And I think when you're emotional, you, you tend to have a lot of knee jerk reactions or you don't think yeah. things through. And um, I think meditation is a good way to hone that and to bring that in. Um, another thing that they do, I mean, this is not too out there, but they get some sort of physical exercise. So I see some of the most successful people out there run, swim, work out. I think that it clears the mind. Uh, I do it personally, but I just know everybody that I've met that's successful does it as well. I think that it's, 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 it clears the mind. I know that when something doesn't go the right way and I go for a run, I come back and I think totally different uh, than I did before. Um, God, I don't want to say reading because that's definitely something everybody does, <laughs> that, but that is not unusual. Uh, but here's the thing about reading, and I'm going to say this. The thing about reading is sometimes it's hard for people to do, and sometimes and, and, and everybody neglects it. A lot of people neglect it. And what's crazy to me is that people have gone through what you're going through, what business owners are going through. People have gone through this before and have succeeded and failed and written about it. It's basically like a playbook on how to be successful. There's like a million out there and we all neglect them. Like we all neglect them. And even me, like I, I'm not a big fan of reading. I'm a slow reader. So I do a lot of audio books, but people have written the playbook. It might not be the exact thing you're doing, but I'm telling everybody out there, go read more, go read more. I, it, I know it's crazy that, you know, you think that you've already know everything or mastered everything, but I think it needs to be said. Um, here's another odd one that uh, I've re uh, recently learned: um, practicing organization. So, oh, that's yeah, it, it's 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 odd, but it's something that is applied to me and actually helped me a lot. Um, practicing organization is something where I know that I'm. I wouldn't say a messy person, but I definitely think my desktop on my computer looks a lot worse than the majority of people out there. And um, actually being aware that you're about to do something that's going to create buildup and taking time to extrapolate that and organize it is something that I think is so valuable down the line um, that I, you know, I've been a business owner, multiple businesses before and I think that some of the most organized people get the most done, save the most time. And without being organized, you're not aware. I didn't even start using a calendar until the beginning of this year. It's embarrassing, but I couldn't imagine where I'd be if I did start using a calendar several years ago. And that's just one example of how organization can drastically change. Um, you know, where you could be in business if you just had your things lined, And you know, that adds to a, emotionally how you feel about stuff. If you feel overwhelmed because you don't actually have things organized, that impacts your business, that impacts your decisions, your hiring, your firing, um, all of that stuff. Um, let's see. And the last one, the last one, an unusual thing that successful business owners do. Oh, here's a good one. Here's one that my mentor taught me, right? Here's a, here's a unique one. He told me that whenever you have the chance to sit first class or can do it. And I was like, why? Cause it's comfortable. He's like, no, he's like, because the people that are sitting next to you in first class are there for a reason and you should talk to them and get to know them. 
And I was like, whoa, like networking. Wow. He's, he's like, yes. He's like some of the best relationships and uh, most successful people I've ever met in my entire life were sitting first class next to me. And so now whenever I have the points or, you know, I just want to do it, I sit first class because the person I'm sitting next to is also first class and there's something there and it could be a long-term relationship. And I just like then never thought about it like that. I think that one, that's awesome. And two, that reframes your whole mind about how you kind of think about things, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is so interesting. I never would have thought of that either, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it makes sense to me now that I think about it, but it's just, it's a whole different mindset. Yeah. Wow. Those are great. Thank you for that. Absolutely. See, that wasn't as strange as <laughs> um, <laughs> And I liked every one of them, so it, it's awesome. all good. Um, I, I really appreciate you sharing this. I think um, my favorite part of this conversation for me is uh, that small business owners really can um, take control of their marketing efforts and be successful with them and that it's up to them to do it, not technically, I'm going to say outsource, but that's not really what I mean, but abdicate is really the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Abdicate the responsibility, right? Yeah. I mean, like, here's what I'd say to business owners. Like a lot of them get overwhelmed because there's all these tools, systems and things like that. Don't get overwhelmed with that. All you need to do is know your numbers and know exactly what you want from your numbers. Cause then you set those as the goal and you, say, Hey, here's $10,000. We're running a test for two months. You have to hit these numbers and they'll go back and forth and discuss them with you, but you don't have to worry about the people doing it. You, you find somebody, yeah. you, you go through a friend, you, you, you get, you vet somebody. That's, that's one step, but just make sure you know what you're looking for out of the relationship. And then that will set you apart. You are in full control of that. Yeah. Yeah. So great. It's a, it's really refreshing. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all of this. Will you um, let the listeners know how they can find you, you know, what you've going on, what you've got going on? Absolutely. So um, our website is www.unstoppable.co. Uh, my name's Will Dean. You can find me on Instagram at Will Dean or, you know, just Google me. I'm sure you'll find my LinkedIn or my Facebook, but feel free to reach out with any marketing questions, any questions you guys have at all. I'm always down to help. I actually probably help way too much. Um, so that, definitely reach out uh, to me because I, I'd be happy to hear from you guys. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that. And I want to make sure people know that Dean has an E on the end of it. There you go. So, <laughs> it does. They know what they're looking for, right? Yep. So yep. well, thank you. Um, and thanks to the listeners and our sponsor, to get your free trial of audible.com and a free audiobook, please go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up for that trial. Continue to prosper and be curious and know your numbers and what you want to be getting out of things. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Life sucks as a grown up. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right.